This is 12 Seconds Ahead. I'm Walter Kitundu. I sounded kind of like Roman Mars there. I guess that's... Nah. Thanks, Roman. Thanks for influencing every single way I'm going to try to speak during my podcast. I appreciate it. By the way, if you haven't heard 99% Invisible, you should go over there and download it right now and listen to that podcast. This is my podcast, and it's really a collection of my experiences as a motorcyclist, as a surfing, art designing, instrument building, bird watching, black motorcyclist. I noticed that category was not very well represented in the podcast that I've been listening to or that I could find. So, um, yeah, and I'm not trying to represent for all. I'm just trying to tell you what uh, I've been through, what I'm inspired by. I'm not interested in telling you what I had for breakfast or, or just rambling on. I want to keep this concise. Your time is valuable, and I respect that, and I'm glad you're here listening. In the background, you'll hear uh, music that I composed, wrote, and performed. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it adds some color to the stories. And um, yeah, episode one. Here we go. The main thing that happened recently was about six weeks ago, I was commuting home from from work, you know, feeling the feeling normal, feeling like it was a normal day, and it was. Uh, feeling fairly confident on the bike, I've been feeling more and more confident, and I hear that's when you should uh, start being more careful. But you know, I've I've practiced that for a long time. I've practiced care and uh, and uh, attentiveness, good riding. Um, emergency stops. I try to be a really conscientious, really good motorcyclist. And six weeks ago, I got on the bike. Everything felt fine. Everything looked fine. Uh, I felt good. But I was preoccupied. I was thinking about all the things that life brings with it. Um, not overwhelmed by any means, but just, just thinking. So I got on the bike, and I was heading home. And I went through Embarcadero traffic, and uh, and then I took a right turn, and I was heading up Harrison Street, heading to the Bay Bridge. And as I approached and got near the bridge, there was traffic to my left, two lanes. I was actually on a, a three-lane road, and the two lanes to my left were full of traffic, completely stopped, um, and stopped at the intersection, too. The light in the intersection was green, but the traffic was just trying not to block the intersection, so they were waiting their turn so they could move ahead. Um, I was in the furthest lane to the right, and I just sort of headed through the intersection. Green light, no traffic in front of me, none behind, everything was to the left, and as I approached the intersection about 25 miles an hour, a gray Mazda RX-7 just appeared in front of me. He decided the intersection was clear and he was moving through it and he didn't even realize I was there. I realized and I had about one second, if that, to react and all I could do was just get the bike slowed from 25 to maybe 22 or 23 miles an hour and I had no escape to the left, no escape to the right and I, um, I ran 
straight into the side of him. Um, yeah. The impact was really shocking because it basically decelerated the bike from 25 miles an hour to zero and uh, the sound, the way that it sort of crunched against the side of his car as he kept moving, the way I was thrown from the bike actually into the air over his hood, um, at which point I was facing the sky because I had tumbled, I had done a somersault over my left shoulder. Um, and I landed on my back and head, basically as though I'd been dropped from six feet up, landing on my back and head. And um, I remember thinking as I was going into it, as I realized what was happening, that uh, I w yeah, it's, it's hmm. I knew it was going to be bad, I just didn't know how it was going to be bad. And uh, I just sort of braced myself for it and... Uh, and then it happened, and I went from being—I went from being somebody who had never been in a motorcycle accident—and uh, I crossed that threshold. And now I know—I know what a mild one feels like. It was mild only in the sense that I was able to sit up and uh, walk away uh, without so much as, uh, well, basically just with a few bruises. You know, a sprained neck, a sprained back. Um, but I survived, and it made me really reflective. It basically made me really think about what it is that I had done wrong and what I had done right. And it turns out that I had done that I had done things right, but I had also allowed the rightness of my doing things to lull me into a sense of security. Um, that sounds like a weird thing to say. Like I'm not. And I'm not trying to say that I'm always right. I'm just saying that I I try to be a good motorcyclist, and I did the right things in this instance, and it still didn't work out. And so it's a a level of skepticism that I feel like I should have maintained, that I should have um, supported and sustained when it came to being on a bike, being in traffic, and dealing with other people who are also making decisions. Um, I assumed that the light was green. Since it was green, I could just go through the intersection. Um, I assumed the traffic was stopped. I looked. I didn't see any other traffic, but that RX-7 was short. It was a small car tucked underneath the SUVs that we basically spend our days filtering through if you're, if you're commuting, particularly in the Bay Area, and probably anywhere in the country. But yeah, it was uh, shocking, and I, I felt really, really fortunate uh, to be okay, because another half second later and I would have, or, or half a second sooner into the intersection, and he would have hit my, my left leg and basically run me over, and that didn't happen, so I feel incredibly lucky, even as I feel unlucky for having gotten into in, in an accident to begin with. So at this point, the guy who caused the accident shows up, and he says, he checks if, to see if I'm okay. That was nice of him. Um, 
And I said, do you think we should talk about what happened? And he agreed and began to give me his side of things. And it became very clear that he didn't... He had miscalculated the number of lanes that he had to cross. And when I found that out, you know, when that became evident, I, I tried to correct him. And he got... He raised his voice. Basically, he got angry. And... Uh, I think he was worried that maybe he wouldn't get to tell his side of things. And he was also freaked out. He just, you know, caused an accident, a motorcyclist that could have been really, really hurt. Um, so he raised his voice. He got kind of antagonistic. And I told him, I said, I said, listen, I'm not interested in in being antagonistic or being aggressive or angry. I think we should just speak about this in a calm manner and talk about the facts, talk about what happened as we saw it. And and we'll be able to get closer to the truth and, and that way that'll serve both of us um, and to his credit he did calm down immediately and we just started talking about about what had happened there was no way it wasn't his fault and he knew it he tried to explain his way out of it, but the facts kept pointing to him, and it must have been frustrating, but I could see that he couldn't... There was no like logical twist or fact or snippet that could get him out of it, and you could see him resigning himself to his fate, that this had happened, that it was entirely his fault. Um, you know, I tried to be understanding. Uh, I tried to shake off the growing soreness in my calf and my neck and you know I tried to be civil we talked about all the facts we got all the information out um, I, I certainly give him a lot of credit for being uh, being cooperative and uh, not being combative and, and helping the process along um, yeah The police showed up, and they called the ambulance, saying I just needed to get checked out, and that I wouldn't have to go to the hospital. The ambulance showed up. They talked to me about the accident. Next thing I knew, they had strapped me to a board, strapped my head to the board, immobilized me, and were lifting me into the back of the ambulance. They said because of the nature of the accident, the mechanics, purely the mechanics of the accident, that I was thrown from the bike that it was that happened at over 25 miles an hour over 20 miles an hour um and that there was separation from the vehicle that's what they called it um that mandated that i be taken to the trauma center the trauma unit at sf general so the next thing i'm i know i'm in the back of the ambulance and i'm trying to negotiate a tow of my motorcycle with um bmw roadside assistance lying on my back holding the phone up above my head because my head is surrounded in immobilizing blocks and things I couldn't hold it up to my ear so um, yeah that didn't work out roadside assistance uh, said they'd tow the bike in three hours and within 45 minutes the police had come and they had towed my bike to an impound lot and I was on my way I was on my way to the emergency room Things were fine when I got there. It was traumatic. It's a trauma center. There's a, there's a lot of bad shit that goes down. Um, 
and I'm a squeamish fellow. It's not my favorite place to be, but it was so clarifying in a way. It really, it really taught me that that is not a place that I want to be, and it is not a place that I want to need. Um, so being there and being healthy was really a blessing. Uh, and the the nurses, the technicians, everybody there, they did their jobs great. Everybody along the line did their jobs great. But I was at one point in this weird nexus, this zone where my autonomy had been removed and I was going to the hospital no matter whether I wanted to or not. Everybody had to be seen to be doing their jobs, double-checking, making sure things were covered. Um, and it makes sense. It makes sense. People... You know, they it could have been worse, and they were making sure that it wasn't. The bike's going to cost about eleven, uh, ten thousand dollars to repair. So yeah, that's steep. The trip to the ER, even when I was fine, the trip to the ER, fifteen thousand dollars. Not to mention the damage to the other guy's car. Um, so it's up there, man. It's like $30,000 for for two people meeting ever so momentarily in an intersection. But uh, I'm reflecting. I'm thinking about what I learned. And definitely I learned that you can be comfortable. And you should be comfortable. You should relax. You ride better that way. You don't... You don't put faulty inputs into the bike. You don't fight it. You trust the bike. You should be comfortable. You should be confident. But you should be skeptical. That's the number one thing I learned. There's no situation that is above suspicion. Particularly when you're dealing with other people making decisions, driving, and, and truthfully, with yourself. Uh, you could be preoccupied. You could not check your blind spot. You could feel a little bit adventurous when you should be conservative. Um, there's a lot to think about when it comes to motorcycling. It's one of the reasons I love it, because you stay present. And you have to be. Your life depends on it. So do I keep riding? Yes. I do. Actually, two days after the accident, I got on my other motorcycle and, um, and took that for a spin. And I was super vigilant, hyper vigilant, but it was good. And I, I didn't want to build up any weird anxieties about the motorcycle. And so I went on a ride, and it was fine. It went well. And um, now I'm, try I'm still riding. Now I ride every day. But it hasn't left me. And I think that's a good thing. My skepticism has been maintained. And um, yeah, I hope it sticks with me, because I think it's a very healthy thing. So that is 12 seconds ahead, the first installment. There is a blog post about the accident with uh, photos, with uh, more detailed descriptions, um, more detailed reflections perhaps, but that stuff is online. It's at kitundu.com, K-I-T-U-N-D-U, kitundu.com, slash 12 seconds ahead. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to my ramblings, and I uh, hope you 
I hope you join me next time. I'm not sure what I'll talk about next time. I hope it's not an accident. Uh, it's probably going to be something a little more joyous. Or maybe something a little bit more um, mundane. Like tire changes or oil changes. You never know. That nerd stuff, that moto nerd stuff that that uh, people like me enjoy and listen to until 3 in the morning. Alright. Thank you very much. And uh, take care of yourself. <laughs>